Who knows the difference between a real dog and a stuffed animal dog? We all know the difference, right? The real dog, the real dog you need a shovel and the stuffed animal dog, you don't, right? I like stuffed animal dogs uh, around my house. We bought a dog when we were at our first ministry in New York and we got one of those, you know, screw things that you put in the ground and you tie them on and they made the circle in the grass and, you know, everything was within the circle and it was, you know, it was quite messy. It was quite messy. I like stuffed animal dogs that you can set in the window and people can maybe think that you have a dog. You know, life is quite messy and today we're in Romans chapter seven and it occurs to me that we're not stuffed animal people, right? We're not stuffed, taxidermied people set out to look good and there we are. Life is messy. And in Romans seven, Paul talks about the messiness of life after he talks about the redemption and all the good stuff from Romans chapter six, where we're free from sin and God's taken care of all that and we're no longer uh, slaves to sin. Uh, we're, we're dead to the law, we're dead to sin. And then in chapter seven, Paul begins to talk to us about the struggle and so I titled the message this morning, The Struggle is Real, there in Romans chapter seven. And the truth is, we're fence straddlers. We're middlers. We've got a foot in each place. We've got a foot in the kingdom of God, and we've got a foot in this world. And we feel it. We experience that. Uh, as I was reading on this passage this week, these phrases kept coming up that describe having a foot in each place, in the kingdom of God and in the world. I put them up on the screen here for you. The reality of, um, the, reality of the eschatological tension, eschatology, the teaching of end times things or future events. And the reality of the eschatological tension is that we, we're, we're, we're saved by Jesus Christ, we're in the kingdom of God, but we also live in this fallen world and we still exist in the flesh and there's that tension between the two. Another phrase, the discontinuity of the two epochs. I thought, well, these are good phrases. They're different ways of saying the same thing. You've got two different ages and there's this discontinuity between the two of them, yet we live partly in each age. Another one, the overlap of the ages where we come to God before we leave this world and there's this overlap that we have to exist in. We are all existing in that overlap right now. If you're not feeling it or sensing it, you may not be a believer. The Holy Spirit may not live within you because when the Holy Spirit lives within us and God changes us, there is a tension, there's a struggle, and the struggle is real. Another phrase that's popular these days is the already and not yet. We're already in the kingdom of God. We already have Jesus Christ in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit. We're saved and we're connected to the Father. But we're not yet fully and completely redeemed. Not yet. 
And then this phrase, redemption begun, but not yet completed. So we're, we're still growing and we're still learning and, and God is still conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now these phrases, to give proper attribution, because there's a lot going on these days about preachers stealing other preachers' messages. And I'm sure mine gets stolen all the time. I don't know how anybody would ever follow them. Uh, but James D.G. Dunn is a professor in the University of Durham in England. He wrote in the Word Biblical Commentary, published by Thomas Nelson. He had those phrases, some of them he might have quoted, uh, and more. But a lot of different ways to describe the same reality. And folks, we all live in that reality. We all struggle because we're still in the flesh. I wrote last week, while we are free from the power and punishment of sin, we still reside in bodies of flesh. Two different words there, bodies and flesh. So as we look at Romans chapter seven, this big slide with these big letters is gonna come up. Um, I think these are important for us to look at and understand. Go ahead and put that next slide up. The word soma is the word for body in, in Greek. Um, it literally means we're humans, we're humans. Jesus came and he was embodied. God was embodied. He was fully human. Jesus was and is. The word sarx is the word for flesh, and it's the reference to the flesh in terms of a, with a sinful tinge to it. The fact that we're in the flesh, we're tempted. We, we're, we got this pull towards sin. And then the word soul, and, and you know, we could, and they have been debated like crazy what these words mean. Whether we're, whether we're um, you know, three, body, soul, and spirit, or whether we're just two, body and then soul and spirit. There's all kinds of stuff written on this, on this stuff. But soul is that immaterial part of us. It's, it's our essence. When you take the body away, we're, we're soulish people. Uh, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives and man became a living soul. It's our, it's our uh, immaterial material that we're made out of. And then our spirit is us. It's our it's our identity. And God's spirit, God is, uh, the Bible doesn't really talk about God having a soul, although when Jesus became human, he would have had a soul. But God is spirit. And God doesn't really have a soul, God the Father, like we think that of us as we have, but he's spirit, so his spirit connects with our spirit. He makes our dead spirit alive. See, we're, we're dead in our trespasses and sins and God makes us alive. So in this passage, Paul is referencing basically the fact that God has made his spirit alive and that as his spirit connects with the spirit of God and his spirit is redeemed and he's made new, he longs for God's ways. He longs to do what's right. And he's got the best of intentions and the intentions are all flowing out of his, his small h, holy spirit. And yet, he still lives in the soma, in the body, which until it's redeemed, struggles with flesh, with these 
temptations and with these sinful passions and desires that he writes about in other places. So this is what Paul is talking about as we step into chapter seven. So if Romans chapter six was the already, Romans chapter seven is the not yet. It's where, this is where we're still struggling. And honestly, I, I so dislike the fact that there are chapter divisions. Um, that we would even say Romans 7 as though it's different from, this is just one letter that Paul writes. And at the end of uh, when I shared this morning, I'm just gonna read a little bit from Romans 8 because it just really balances and, and gives perspective to what Paul says here. But let's look here at Romans chapter 7, just the last uh, 13 verses, beginning in verse 13. He says, did that which is good then, speaking of the law, become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Now, he's going to describe the not yet about him. This isn't a binary thing. We're either A or B, like your vision exam, A or B, B or C, <laughs> right? It's not that, it isn't that, it's both A and B. Now Paul is talking about B after he just got done talking about A. And he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. I'm saying the law is good, I wish I could do it all the time. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? He says, it's not me, it's sin living in me. It's not me as defined by Romans 6, where I'm a new person, a new man, but it's that residual. I'm still in the flesh. It's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. And then he qualifies it. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. That's a nod to what he's already said, that we're not slaves to sin but still there. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I love God's law. But I do see another law at work in me, in my flesh, waging war against the law of my mind 
and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And if he didn't give this side of it, we would expect each other to have sinless perfection. I mean, God has saved us, right? We won't sin any longer. And there are those churches and teachers who teach that. But God is saying, or Paul is saying here, no, in my sinful nature, I'm still a slave to the law of sin. I am still going to struggle. I want to point out just a couple verses to you here. Um, and, and with this word, the word realm, the word realm. We don't really use the word realm anymore, um, but it, it means kingdom or sphere or domain. We've, we've heard the term, the coin of the realm, right? The king's realm is, is his domain, right? The, maybe the, the, the bordered state where somebody is a leader. Look at this verse in Romans 7, verse 5. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. Now look at that verse. That sounds like what he's just talked about. Look at it again. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, these sinful passions aroused by the law, oh, I can't do that. Well, I want to do that. Well, I'm supposed to do this over here. Well, then I'm not going to do it. Those sinful passions aroused by these, these commands, they were at work in us when we were in the realm of the flesh so that we bore fruit for death. The fruit we bore was bad fruit that led to bad stuff. Look at verse 8 of Romans 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Well, after reading Romans 7, we look at that and we're like, well, we're, we're kind of doomed. It says we can't please God if we're sinning. That's not what it says. Don't you hate when people do that? They do that on radio and TV all the time. Somebody will say something and then somebody will characterize what they've said and it's not at all. This happens with this, well, it happens with the Bible all the time, but it happens especially in, the, in these passages here, Romans 6 and 7, 9, 10, and 11. Um, because you've got to look at the next verse in Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. What? You're not in the realm of the flesh. If you're in the realm of the flesh, you can't please God. You're in the realm of the flesh until Jesus saves you. We're in the realm of the flesh until we confess our sin to God and we change. But then we're not in the kingdom of the flesh anymore, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, we're in a different realm. We're in the realm of the spirit. Does it mean we're not going to sin? No, it doesn't mean we're not going to sin. But it means that what 
chapter 6 said is really true. That we're not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to sin. Paul says in Romans 7, I am a slave to God. And there's sin in me that comes out. It's kind of like when long time ago, some of you might remember, this maybe three of you will remember, Ronald Reagan was such an optimist that when he got cancer and he had it removed, he said, I never had cancer. There was cancer in me, but they took it out. I never actually had cancer. <laughs> well, that's kind of what Paul's saying. He's saying, I, I, I love the law of God. I love God. In me, I love God. And there's this, when I sin, it's really not me doing it. It's sin that's still within me that comes out. Only Paul is actually right. Because the reality of a relationship with God is stronger than the reality of the struggle we have on the planet. The reality of our relationship with God, the truth of that, the hope that we have, the guarantee that God gives us, that's stronger than the reality of the struggle that we're in. So I would say, alive in Christ, no longer under the law, but under grace. In the realm of the spirit, we have this continuing battle with our flesh, but we're no longer a slave to it, but we're slaves to God. So when you're struggling, it just means you're in that overlap. Yes, you're a believer. Yes, you're saved. Yes, sin no longer has dominion over you. And when you sin, it's like the, it's like the snake biting you. There's no venom. There's no poison. It cannot take you down because the son has already paid for all of those sins. But no, our bodies aren't redeemed yet. We're, we still have this sinful nature within us and we struggle with it. We see it with our kids all the time. Many of you would see it with your grandkids or your great-grandkids. They struggle with this and we all still do. All of us struggle in the flesh. So I wanna read to you from Romans chapter eight. In uh, the last two Sundays, you've been very patient I think I've totaled in the last two Sundays 100 minutes of preaching, which if you can divide 100 by two, you'll know how long the messages have been. My apologies. I got carried away. So this morning is gonna be quite a bit shorter. Um, Romans chapter eight. Look what this says. In light of what we've just talked about, verse 22, it's not up on the screen. You'll have to look in your Bibles. Romans 8, 22 through 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Creation, if you're groaning, creation is groaning. The sin, this curse of sin, it's just gunked up the whole works. Creation itself groans. And not only so, verse 23, 
but we ourselves, and this is so cool, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We're in the realm of the Spirit. We've got that first fruits, that down payment. God has given us his Spirit. Even with that, we even groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Well, wait a minute. We've already been adopted as sons. Already, yeah, but not yet. Not yet what he says here. For our, our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. That's what we're groaning about. Our somas. Our somas are still sarks, fleshly. Our bodies are still fleshly. They're prone to sin. But when our bodies are fully redeemed, the flesh is gonna be gone, the temptation is gonna be gone, that desire to sin is gonna be gone, and we're gonna be completely free. So we've been moved out from under the law, and we've been moved under grace. We've been moved out of the realm of the spirit, and, or a realm of uh, the flesh, we've been moved into the realm of the spirit under grace. That is a much better place to live in. That is a great deposit. That's a great already to, to exist in. And that's where we are. But he says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Yes, we were saved for it to get better. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, and in particular he's talking about fully redeemed bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 bodies, where in the twinkling of an eye, the dead are raised and we are changed. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Redeemed bodies, totally and fully human, human, the good thing, the way God created us to be, but without sin. Because it took God himself coming to the planet to die for our sins, to give us the opportunity to be fully and completely redeemed. Redeemed and restored on a redeemed and restored planet where his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven where heaven and earth come together. See, we won't have wings floating in the clouds, flying around up there somewhere. We're actually gonna be restored fully human on a restored fully planet earth minus all of the sin with the new Jerusalem that's come down out of heaven from God. And heaven and earth come together, there's no need for the sun because the, Jesus is the light, God is the light. That's what, that's what we're looking for. So he says we wait for it patiently. If you're struggling with sin, Romans chapter eight is a great chapter because it talks about what it means to live in the power of the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, where sin 
has no power. Sin has no power in the realm of the spirit. And, and a lot of our answers are found in Romans chapter eight. That's why I just did a little sneak peek ahead where in the realm of the spirit, there's joy and there's peace. So you, you're, you may be struggling just like you struggled before, but you're in a different reality and you have to see yourself. So we rely on our relationship with God and we remember, we, we remember the righteousness that God has given us. So, so we are friends of God, we are children of God, and we are righteous before God, even while we struggle because we're still in these unredeemed, un, not fully redeemed bodies, we're still in the flesh. So the question is, do you know Jesus Christ? That's the question. Do you know Christ? Because if you know Christ, it's only a matter of time before your body's fully redeemed. But if you don't know Christ, then you're still under the realm of the law and under the realm of sin and the curse of death. When we know Christ, everything changes. Let me pray, let me pray this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that we are no longer in the kingdom of darkness, no longer in the kingdom of sin and of suffering and of death. But you've actually, Lord, you've created us uh, to be fully human, but to also, Lord, be in full and complete fellowship with you. And through Christ, we can actually enjoy that. Through Christ, that can be a reality. So, Lord, I pray this morning for all of us uh, as we go through this week. Uh, God, may we re rely on our relationship with you and uh, know that uh, it's not about religion, it's not about keeping commandments, but it's about the relationship that you desire to have with us. May we rely on that, may we rest in that relationship. And God, may all of us remember that we are righteous. Our, the righteousness of Christ is ours. Uh, it's ours to possess, it's ours to enjoy, and it's ours to live into even though uh, the fangless, toothless sin will nip at our heels, we have the righteousness of Christ. So I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning who has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, never asked for forgiveness of sins, never believed in the Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts that they would turn to you in faith and say, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. I believe in you. I believe in you. God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.